Thank you for listening to our weekly Baylife Church podcast. Make sure you visit our website, baylifechurch.org.au, where you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes so that you'll never miss another message. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. We're going to have some fun today. And look, I've got this bag of tricks, which is hilarious. Greg was cleaning up from yesterday, right? And he had all these gardening tools. And he just brought them up to the prayer thing. He was going to put them in the car. And I said, Dad, don't put them in the car. I can use those. So don't worry. In there I've got all sorts of goodies. So we're going to have a bit of fun because this is really, um, other than God being our first passion, this is what floats our boat, so to speak. Um, We love relationships, don't we? We've been married 40, how long? 42 years this year. Oh, it's a long time, isn't it? Um, it's a long time and it's um, been good. And yes, Tristan, we might not have had those big blues, but we've, nav- we've learned to navigate. And this is, a lot of this stuff is what we've learned along the way, isn't it? We've studied. We've to them, not yeah. to me. Well, I'm talking to you as well. So. And listen, if you don't know us, don't be frightened when we start. <laughs> That's just how we work. Okay, we're not, I'm not rude. I'm not Don't being. Don't have big fights. Just have fights all the time. So, yeah. uh. <laughs> and I'm not being disrespectful when I butt in. We find that when we do relationship stuff, it's just best when we flow with one another. He has things to say. I have things to say. So I'll try to be really respectful and wait my turn. But those of you that know me know I have more words than Greg. So we've got to get them all out. So let's see how we go. Hey, so do you want to pray first? Let's pray. Yeah. Father, we thank you, God, for relationships. God, our relationship with you is obviously number one. And, uh, and God, everything out of that, all the health, the, uh, the positive things flow out of that relationship with you, God, with, with our partners, with our kids, with our parents, with our siblings, with our friends, or with our acquaintances. God, it all flows out of that rich well of who you are, God. And here this morning, Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit just goes before our words, just... Uh, softens them or tempers them for whatever you want to do in hearts and minds here this morning, God. I pray that we're open to what you want to do in us here this morning, Lord. And uh, Holy Spirit, bring a fresh word to each one of us here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we, um, we, we like to do this reasonably regularly, you know, just to uh, touch on relationships. And sometimes it'll be more based in marriage and sometimes it'll be on parenting and other times it'll be friendships and this morning, this morning I hope we get a smorgasbord that covers all those because uh, uh, relationships are so important to each and every one of us every day of the week and if you said well what is relationship all about it probably comes down to communication right if you said well what is it really all about it's about communication but what does communication actually mean you know, it's such a cliche, it's such a, a, a word that is hard to define even. Because I don't know about you, but I can be with someone that can talk all day long and I definitely don't feel closer to them at the end of the day than at the start of the day. You know, they can, they can just go and you just go, wait a minute, it's not relevant to me, You're not, you know, it's not asking for input, feedback, and I actually feel more distance than, than closer often if, if that's the case. So it's not just words. It's not just someone talking, you know. It has to be an interaction. And we have to understand 
what and how to communicate. And that's what we sort of want to touch on here this morning. Uh, it, it is one of the, communication is one of the most important aspects in any relationship and uh, particularly any positive relationship. So it's the what and how. You know, we have to have respect and boundaries and trust and support and all that sort of stuff. And, and Robin and myself have, have loved doing marriage ministry over the years. Uh, pre-marriage ministry is just fantastic. You know, you do counseling with a young couple. They're so keen to get married and they're so focused on the wedding. And you go, hang on, pause, stop for a second. There's some important stuff we need to deal with here. And now's the time to deal with it. And, and communication, of course, is a, is a big part of that, you know, being, learning how to be assertive, you know. It's so funny when you do pre-marriage counselling with some young people, they, they don't know how to be assertive in a relationship. They don't know how to ask for what they want. And, and we don't listen well. You know, we think we know what we've he- heard, but we're not sure. And that's that, um, you know, just that listening where we, we actively play it back to our partner. If you've done pre-marriage counselling with us, you'll know we've done that with many of you, and uh, and it's fantastic. So this is the sign, okay? When the microphone comes up, she's ready. Um, before all you young people switch off, all you young people, whether you're still at school, whether you're older and you're not married any longer, I, this is not about marriage today. This is about relationships. So whether you are still at school, you're relating to people. You might be going out with someone. You might not be um, parents. You're relating to your children, okay? So whatever we're talking about today, if you're not in a marriage at the moment or a relationship, don't switch off because this is for you. We can all learn. doesn't matter how young you are. We spend our life relating to people in different relationships. So glean what you can, okay, from, from today. And don't switch off on us, okay? Yes. Where was I up to? I don't know now. You're going to have uh, to be flexible, okay? Y- yes, You're just going to have to go with um, We are actually thinking of, the point I was getting to was that we are thinking of doing a, a love and marriage night. We usually do f- our, our six-week course, Fall in Love, Stay in Love, which takes six weeks. We realise we're running out of time quickly in, in be, you know, towards the end of our season. And so uh, we would like to do a love and marriage night probably at the end of May and uh, probably a Wednesday night, something like that. It'll be for a couple of hours. I would urge you, this isn't a religious marriage thing. This is really life-giving principles. So you can bring your unchurched friends, couples, people who are living together. You know, they get you know, stricken by lightning when they, they come in the door. Like, it's, it's okay. It's really important that we give principles to people who are in relationships. So we want to do that. It'll be specifically about relationships in couples. And, uh, you know, so I'd like to invite you to that. You'll hear more about that in the coming weeks, I'm sure. But we only just decided when we started to do this, oh, heck, we can't talk about marriage the whole time because not everyone's going to be married in the room. And, and so we have to make this a bit more general, I guess. So, um, so, so look out for that. That'll be, that'll be fun. We've done this in other churches. It's funny, we've never done it in our church. We've done it in many other churches around the place. And uh, it's interesting. Um, okay, let's get on with this now. Um, you know, I... I don't know about you, but um, if I knew what I know now at the start of my adult, when I was a young adult, I had no clue about relationships. No clue at all. I would have been, if I'd known what I know now, I would have been a much better husband, a much better dad, a much better son, a much better brother, a much 
better friend, you know, because you've just recognized some stuff about relationships and particularly positive relationships. There's such a tension in this contemporary world that we spend so much of our time, particularly in early adulthood, um, you know, even as young married or, or even parents, striving to establish ourselves financially, working long hours, studying, uh, you know, trying to buy a house, trying to get ahead, trying to develop those things. And often it's very much when we're developing long-term relationships with someone and or having kids. And it's just there's a tension there. And, and it's often very much when our kids have got their greatest needs. You know, most kids learn most of the vocabulary before they're five. It's stunning. They, they learn attitudes. They learn all that stuff about life before they even turn five. And it's very often the time when we, as parents, are doing the most. You know, we, we're working long hours, and, and I don't, it was for me anyway. I was working really hard, trying to get ahead, trying to build. And, uh, and you look back and go, wow, it's crazy the way this, this works. Like, it just doesn't make sense sometimes. So I think what we're saying is that anything you put time and energy into really prospers. So it's a, it's a decision sometimes, I think, even as parents, as young parents. You know, do you put time and energy into your job, which which is great. It's good to put some, you know, energy in there. We're not saying don't do that. But please don't do that and leave the family and your children over here. Time and energy will be um, so well rewarded. The more you sow in when they're younger, you're going to reap those rewards as, as they get older. Yep. See, we are coming towards, well, I'll tell you, I don't care. I don't know if Robin does, but nearly 62. And uh, we've got kids that are... Um, uh, turning 37, 34, and 32. Got twins at 32. And it's like, wow. The time just seems to have gone so quickly. I can remember our first son when he was born. It was like this pink, crinkly thing, you know. And, and, uh, and it's like the time just seems to have whizzed past. And... Uh, and now we've got eight grandkids and, you know, all their kids are married and it's just a whole different time of life. You know, for us, we, uh, we waited till we turned 20 to get married. So we, we waited all those years and, uh, um, you know, it was just the done thing back in our time. We just got married early. Uh, just what happened. So anyway, here we go. Let's, let's have a look at what we've actually done this in one form before, but we ran out of time completely and only got through about 25% of the material that we wanted to get through. And so we call this six A's of positive relationships. And it can apply to marriages, it can apply to parenting, it can apply to friendships. So please, whatever you're looking for in your life, apply that to wherever you're at and, and apply these principles because they, they, it's not just communication. These are how we communicate. This is what we communicate. This is the break it down. It's more specific of, of the way we do that. So... Uh, um, yep, we're on the right screen. That's good. So let's have a look at this first one. Um, here, here's a thought. The way we were parented is often the way we parent. The way we saw our, our um, parents do married life was the, is the way often we do marriage. And so that's why we have to be intentional and proactive in this stuff, you know, whatever area of life it is. 
Um, let me give you the scripture out of Matthew 7, verse 24, 27. It's like the foundation, or a strong, strong foundation for this house we're building. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand without foundation. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So this is the first day of, of positive relationships, acceptance, acceptance. Um, you know, we as a church have got that love, acceptance, forgiveness as a philosophy. Acceptance is core, I believe, to every relationship we have in our lives. And, uh, you know, it's that unconditional love that helps build a sense of security and worth in, in people in our lives, whether it's our spouse, our kids, our friends, all those areas. So uh, it makes us feel like we belong. That's exactly right. But I think sometimes before you can even accept the person that you're with or wanting to be with, there's a journey of accepting yourself first and who you are in God. If there's a constant struggle with who you are in God and accepting who you are, it's very difficult to accept how someone else is or how one of your children might be. So it's a bit of a journey for us all to kind of find out who we are in God and just um, know that God doesn't make cookie-cutter people. Everybody's different. And those of you as parents would know that. You just practice on the first one and you think, right, got this in the bag. Then number two comes along. And then you go, oh, who's this little person? And you've got to just change things and tweak them. And then when you think you've got that one right, another one comes along and it's different again. So it's quite a challenge, isn't it? So it's not getting one child or a person, your partner and moulding them and putting them into the person that you want them to be. It's accepting who God has created them to be. That's good. And, you know, that's why we put so much value into youth group because it's a positive peer influence. That's what a youth group is. It's a positive peer influence where, where the kids come and they're accepted. No matter where they're at in the, the, the spectrum of, of life, they're accepted in that place. That's why uh, I've said this before, where gangs are so, uh, uh, so sh the stronghold of that is so strong because kids, rebellious kids often, kids that are mucked up, getting into a, a gang and they feel accepted for the first time in life. And that's why church is so important. We have an acceptance, you know. It's such a core principle, I believe, of, of a Christianity that we need to accept those. We don't have to agree with everything. We just have to accept people and unconditional, have an unconditional love. And sometimes with kids, you, go, you have to separate um, acceptance of, of their behaviour to the acceptance of the child. Sometimes we don't like their behaviour and we don't accept their behaviour, but that doesn't follow through that we don't accept them as a child. And, and same with, with, with your partner. If they do something wrong... Well, you don't just totally Never. disregard that person. You just learn to talk about the behaviour. Mm -hmm. Separate that if you can. Yep. And so acceptance means that person has got value. No matter if they stuff up, they make mistakes, they say the wrong thing, they don't do the right thing, uh, whatever else happens, they still have value and, uh, and that we are all unique. That's the unconditional love that says, I love you just as you are. And uh, so that's acceptance. Now, we're going to move reasonably quickly through some of these. We've got a pretty meaty section 
that we want to just pause on. I want to make sure we've got enough time to cover that. Um, but so the first one's acceptance. second one is appreciation. Appreciation. Sincere praise and affirmation develops a sense of significance. Sense of significance. We all want to be feel valued and feel appreciated by others in our life. I think you'd say you'd agree with that. We want to be valued and feel appreciated. And, uh, and, and when our life is valued by someone else, we, it actually brings us closer to them, I think. It, it, we also then are able to bring value and appreciate others in our life. I think that um, acceptance runs into appreciation because sometimes it's a funny thing with relationships. It's often the opposite that is really attractive. Nearly every course we do, seminar, there's always, well, not always, but a lot of the time, introverts are attracted to extroverts. The external processor is attracted to the internal processor. And it's that difference that attracts you. But guess what? It's the thing that drives you nuts. Okay? After a while, it's something you must, you must be looking for what's complete you or what's different to you but if you're not careful within a very short period of time of being together it drives you insane so you then have to but you can hang in there um but do you know what as you mature and you understand this stuff you get to appreciate it I so appreciate Greg's thinking deep thinking and introvertedness because it brings something really special to the relationship Whereas I tend to be a bit more flighty and, you know, let's just move and have fun. You just balance each other. So rather than trying to make the other person like yourself, it's understanding who they are and accepting that that brings incredible um, depth and it's appreciating the differences. Okay, so... And just, this is just a nuance of it. Appreciation isn't necessarily responding when someone does something perfect or good even like appreciation is appreciating them for who they are no matter whether they're doing right or wrong and and so I want you to understand this that sometimes that looking for perfection in our kids for instance can be a negative if we only appreciate and affirm them when they're doing something perfect it sets them up not well for life because they think that's the time you get your praise when you do something perfect and so when they fail they fall in a heap or they choose not to try because, well, I don't think I can do this perfectly. And, and straight away, they, they, they just pull back from it. And it doesn't build resilient kids as far as I'm concerned. So we have to be careful. We have to appreciate those in our life in all stages of life, not just when they do things really, really well, not when they got the A's on the report cards, not, not you know, like that's, we've just got to guard against just having that in one area. Yeah, and they, so. well, look, the, the world we live in is a pretty negative world and, and people get beat up in the world. They need to come home and home needs to be a positive, uplifting place. So they say it's about five positives need to be spoken to negate um, a negative. So, okay, so if they're living in a, and school's a bit rough, you need to be pouring on the praise, lots and lots of encouragement. It doesn't give them a big head. It just makes them feel appreciated and loved, doesn't it? Okay, let's push in the second, the third one. Sorry, it's affection. It's affection. Now, I'll read this. Caring words and actions that show our love and develop a sense of being lovable. You see, when we, when we show affection to people in our lives, spouses, kids, friends, 
when we show that affection, it's caring words and actions, not one or the other. We have to have the caring words, but also then the caring and loving actions as well. And that helps develop a sense of being lovable in that person or that child. It's so, so important. And this is the one we want to just pause on just a little bit longer than the other ones. Um, because we've got so many things we want to say here this morning. And that's when we realize we have to do a night just to uh, process this stuff as well. Um, you know, uh, many of these concepts overlap, really. So uh, uh, we have to, to love someone well, we have to know what makes them feel loved. And then we also have to know what makes us feel loved before we can feel that same love. And this is where we get into a few concepts that, that are very helpful. The, the love languages, for instance. You know, there's five love languages. And, and once you identify those, then you can understand, oh, my partner doesn't feel loved the way I feel loved. You know, like, it, 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 they were different. We're unique. And, and I thought by doing the things that makes me feel loved for her, she will feel loved. And in fact, it doesn't work. It only makes me, and vice versa. You know, so we have to work out what makes us feel loved and also what makes our partner feel loved. And this works with um, children as well. I'm noticing this in, in our grandchildren. They're very different. What makes one feel very special is very different to another one. And I think love languages can change a bit. So you might go, oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard love languages before. I think it can change. As time goes on, you go into different seasons in life and in, in relationships, and I think they can change. So it's good to revisit some of this stuff. It's good to sit down, think about your children, have a talk about, okay, what do our kids need? You know, what does this particular child need? And, and there they are up there, you know, the acts of service, the ones where someone feels love when you're doing things, you know, helping them in the small things, the gifts, not always about the big money and all the rest of it, you know, but any just a thoughtful gift, physical touch, obviously, is the hugs and the kisses, quality time. Just being one-on-one, -on -one, doing whatever. It doesn't even matter what you're doing, just that one-on-one. -on -one. And the words of affirmation is that appreciation that we talked about before. Yeah, I'll give you an example of this. I, I, we were quite close to a couple that um, had went into separation and had no, there was no signs that they were even doing it tough in their relationship. And it was like they, they didn't even do any counselling. You go, come on, guys. You have to do something. And, uh, and you know, they were pretty heading towards divorce pretty much and we gave them a book five love languages in in the early this is back quite a few years ago now and the guy read it and he said oh, if i'd known this stuff when we got married we wouldn't be in the place we're in right now we have to resource ourselves for this sort of stuff we can't just drift into life and expect it to everything to come out rosy it just doesn't and that re applies to marriages, applies to parenting, it applies to friendships. We have to be intentional and proactive about this stuff. Now, love lang languages is one way you can put it. It's a simplified way. Another way we've got is, is the emotional needs. And each one of us has got a love bank inside our hearts, inside us. And the things that fill our love bank need to be identified. So uh, as a partner, or as a parent, we can start to, to fulfill that in them. Now, this is designed for couples, this particular uh, group of words and uh, and some apply on general to male and some apply on general to female but there's no gender thing in this it's all it's across the board and this is for a marriage relationship by the way and uh, and so if you each one of us has got this love bank in us in our hearts and if people fulfill that emotional need it will put deposits into our love bank did you want to say something um, I was just saying 
as of as in any relationship, especially in a marriage, I don't think you can meet every need of your partner. Like it's it's good you need to do that, but in in the Christian context, God needs to be in the midst of meeting some of your needs. Sometimes I think you can fall into a relationship, and if you're a little bit, you know, if you're not, if you're quite broken, um, you can think that partner's going to meet every need that you have. Now this is, you know, we're teaching you how to add health to your relationship but sometimes you've just got to have make sure God's in there meeting some of those deep needs that you may have and that's that whole healing process and being made whole in him so it's a it's a mix isn't it it's not just don't expect your partner to do everything and meet every need you have in life this will be some of the stuff we cover on our um on our marriage night the love and marriage but so I won't go into too much detail but they're the emotional needs that that generally have been shown to to meet for married partners and partners to meet their needs and make that love bank. Now, here's where affairs comes into place. If, for instance, well, I'll, I'll use Robin myself. This isn't exact, like this isn't an actual thing, but I just want to use it. So, for instance, Robin's uh, emotional need is conversation. Mine isn't necessarily. So she could be having a real lack of conversation in her life. Now, she might be working with someone and it might be of the opposite sex, that actually is really good with conversation. And so she goes to work every day, and that guy meets that emotional need and starts to put some deposits in the love bank. And each day she goes to work, and then the guy does it again and again and again. And I'm just going, oh, good, I don't have to talk anymore. She doesn't need me to talk anymore. So, and so we're getting less and less discussion, and she's getting more and more at work. And the problem is... She will eventually fall in love with that person at work because I'm not meeting that need. And, and it's, it's the, exactly the way affairs work. No one gets married and then decides to have an affair. Like, it's, it's just not, oh, I'll get married, then I'll have an affair. No, who does that? No one does. But during the process of life, the stresses, the pain, the, pre- you know, the toughness of life, we just drift apart sometimes. And that's why we need to know this stuff so we can be intentional and proactive about applying that to our marriages and know that, oh, she needs conversation. So I need, when I come home from work, to sit down with her and go, okay, how's your day? What, what, what happened? And not be flippant and go, oh, yeah, nothing? Oh, good, see you later. No, no tell me what happened. What, tell me why you're a little bit upset tonight. What, what's going on? And, and, and delve a little bit, question a little bit, be you know, consistent in that because that way it builds her emotional love, her love bank with emotional needs that I'm providing and increases to those, the, the sense of love, that love That's feeling. exactly right. So the love bank works in two ways. The stuff's going in, just like if you're saving for something, in goes all the deposits. But then if you, you can be doing all the right things, right, meeting all those needs of your partner. But if you're not careful, there's a plug hole you just go at the, the next bottom. Screen. Which we call, we just use the word love busters, but they're often the things that are draining love. So you can be doing all the right things, but if there's some negative stuff in your relationship that will just basically, in, like, like having a bath, pull the plug, whoosh, out yeah. it goes. So we, um, you know. Okay. Yeah, so, so basically that's, that's, you can put as many emotional needs in, into the love bank, but if there are withdrawals happening on a regular basis, you can't get enough in there to, to balance it all up. And that's where we need to deal with those love busters, get them out of play, deal with them, work out strategies to get them off, off the list, and, and then we start to build the love bus. Now, what you need to do to, for personally for you, if you're in a relationship, married or, or whatever, you need to identify what fulfills your 
emotional needs, which is the things that press your buttons. And, and then also for the love buses, if they do exist in your relationship, you need to get them out of your relationship because you cannot build enough emotional needs if they're present. And these are the things like when we get really angry and lose our temper, um, we're disrespectful in the way we speak to one another. Um, sometimes we develop um, bad habits. And in another thing, in, in relationships, you can be a, very much an individual and spending your whole time as, as an individual rather than being in a couple. But it's only when you talk to one another and identify those things, you bring them out into the open and then you talk about them and then work out how you're going to get rid of them. So can you see all the good things going in, plug up the holes, and then your love tank actually feels full. And it's the same with your children. You, you can honestly use this in children. We found in when we first did this that um, I was never angry at Greg. As Tristan said, oh, we never shouted at each other. But raising four kids under five in a, you know, stressful times, I would shout at the kids. And he identified in me that the angry outbursts I had with my children actually withdrew from his love bank, which was interesting. It wasn't aimed at him. But it was enough. It was just like, I don't like it when you do that. So I had to work out other, um, other ways of doing things. So it's in interesting, isn't it? It's just all relationships are all intermingled in a family. Yep. So we do need to keep moving because we're... Uh, so, so that's affection or love or care, whatever you want to call that. And I think that was the last screen there, wasn't it, Kev? Go on the next one for us. So the next one's availability. Um, you know... In a relationship, marriage, parenting, friendship, you know, this availability is spelt T-I-M-E, time. Time. You just have to spend time with that person. You just, it's got to be consistent. It's not just quality time. Remember the lie that went around at one stage that, oh, if you just spend you know, a little bit of quality time, it's all right, you don't have to spend lots of time. No, you just have to hang with each other. Whether it's a couple or you're with your kids or with friends, that's when it develops. Like, oh, it was just lovely doing the working bee yesterday, just hanging with the guys. You know, I don't get much chance to do that very much these days. And it's like just doing stuff together as blokes, it just bonds you, you know, and you just you build a relationship and you know each other and you know how they respond under stress. And, and you know, it's, that's how you get to know someone. That's where that relationship is built in the time spent together. Not just quality time where it's really monitored and, and programmed and like, no, just hanging together. And that's for families as well, you know. We do live in busy times and there's a lot of distractions in families. Things like, you know, having dinner together. I don't know any what, what happens in anyone's home, but, you know, sometimes things like that can just disappear. Everyone can go do their own thing, eat wherever they are in the house and on their own device and all the rest of it. I think there's a lot of things vying for our time in this day and age. So you really do have to be proactive in spending time with family and with each other. And we say to couples, um, when you, at the end of, say, the weekend, get your diaries out together and look at your week ahead and look at your week. But instead of looking at, oh, I've got this meeting and da, 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 and all the rest of it, you look at, as a couple, where are we going to spend time together? When are we going to have a night together? Or are we going to um, go out for coffee or a walk or something? Prioritise you as a couple first. Then look at your family time. Prioritise them. Then you start to put in all the other things. But what we tend to do in life, we put in all the appointments, all the other stuff, 
And then you're exhausted and there's just nothing, you've got nothing left, nothing left to give those closest to you. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, and it's easy to say that, but you've actually got to do something about it. Your intentions could be good in that stuff. You've actually got to make it time, sit down, let's spend, let's have a date night every week. Let's do this. What, what do you want to do? What, 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 what can we do that we can have a date night together or going out together? And this can apply to our kids. It's not just a marriage. It can apply to our kids as well. We did dates with our kids and said, well, what do you want to do? And one wanted to go to an exhibition house and, and walk through all the exhibition houses. And you go, oh, okay, I guess I can do that. We just chatted about that and it was just fun. You know, one wanted a meal, one to go to the cinema. Let me read you this, this um, interesting quote. Uh, as, a, for, as a role as dads, it's really important we, we get this right because we can undervalue and underestimate this. Charles Francis Adams, the 19th century political fit, figure and diplomat, kept a diary and says this. One day he entered, went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. His son, Brooke Adams, also kept a diary, which is still in existence. On that same day, Brooke Adams made the entry, went fishing with my dad, the most wonderful day of my life. The father thought he was wasting his time while fishing with his son. <laughs> but the son saw this as an investment in time into him. Don't underestimate the, the value of availability and time with kids, with family, with friends. That's how you build relationship, positive relationships. Um, I just want to mention the old mobile phone. Okay? Um, they're all wonderful. And they've given us availability 24-7. But guess what they've done? They've given us unavailability to our families. So, you know, uh, you just need to be careful. And it's probably the younger people we grew up, those of old of us, oldies, grew up without them. So we use them, but we somehow, we know how to just put them aside. But young people, I totally appreciate it. It's a different world that you are growing up in. And we are attached to these things 24-7. But you need to learn to put them aside. I just see parents, you know, the kids are there and they're on their phones. They're just, they're just ignoring. I think you're wasting a precious time in life with young families if you're always on your phone. It's so not just young families either. It's like and, and you can couples, see it at a yeah. cafe or, or something like that. Oh There's four gosh. young people sitting at a table and they're all on their phones. You go, are you all talking to each other or are you, you know, who are you talking to? It's like, no, we're not talking to each other. <laughs> Snapchatting. So, look, we're not saying mobile phones are evil or whatever. <laughs> it's just we've got to bring limits in. We do have to bring limits in to what we do with our devices, don't we? Yep, we yep. do. Yep. Um, okay, so uh, availability. So the fifth yep. one is accountability. Yep. And I think there needs to be an accountability in every relationship in our life if it's important to us. If it's not important to us, don't worry about it. But if it's important to you, make sure you're accountable to somebody. Um, uh, by being accountable to people in your life, you show respect and teach others in your life, your kids, partner, whatever, how to be accountable to you, which develops a sense of self-discipline and self-control. Self-discipline and self-control. Accountability. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but I so often uh, you know, have thought that do what I say, don't what I do, don't do what I do. You know, like I, I, I'm just too busy to organise that. And, uh, and it's a double standard. And it's not a, a positive uh, message to send to kids or to our partners or, or whatever. Uh, it's deceitful, really, in the end. 
And with this accountability, um, I'm not talking about control here, but I think you need to be accountable to your partner for where you spend your, your time and what you're doing with your phone and what you're doing with your computer. There shouldn't be secrets. There shouldn't be hidden, hidden things in life. If you're on a computer, you shouldn't be hiding anything from your spouse. Okay, if there's trust in a relationship, we need to be accountable. Now, I'm not saying control. I know that relationships get abused and the power can shift. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about healthy relationships should be just um, open to whatever. Your life should be an open book. You should be able to read each other, shouldn't we? There's nothing we keep we know ever each from each passwords, other. You yeah, know, and, yeah. and not that's a big deal, but she can check any of my stuff anytime and vice versa. It's just the way it needs to be, you know, and because honesty is an emotional need, one of them, but dishonesty is a, a love buster. So if there's any dishonest behaviour in there, it will cause great distress in a marriage, in, the, in, in families, in relationships, you know. Um, if, if a relationship is important to you, you need to be completely honest and transparent the whole way, and, and that brings accountability, I, I guess. So... Uh, um, and boundaries with children, we all know kids need boundaries. If you don't give them boundaries, they go off the rails. But you need boundaries in your relationship. Boundaries about how you speak to one another. You know, um, I'm not going to accept that tone of voice. If you want to speak to me, don't use that tone of voice or I'm not going to listen to you. They're, they're just boundaries you just need just to keep things healthy. Because that's another aspect of accountability on the next screen there, Kevin. Accountability administered with love provides boundaries for making the right decision, develops a sense of self-decisiveness in our kids, in our relationships. So people feel like they've got a right to make their own choice because they've got there's boundaries in place. We've, we've talked about it, we've you know, agreed on it, and we've set them up. And, uh, you know, it's, it's yes be yes and you know be no. You know, we, we need to make sure we stay on that biblical principle and, and be really consistent with that. Um, and kids, kids grow really well when they've got boundaries in their life. When there's a lack of boundaries, they feel unloved. It's a stunning thing. If there's a lack of boundaries in kids' life, they don't know what the rules are, and so they're never really sure about what to do and how to do it. And uh, so it's really important that we, we deal with that really well. Um, you know, we, we've got this... We're going to move quite quickly now. In the next screen, Kevin, there's those bottom four are uh, basically you'd call them love. The top one, accountability, next one is limits. And uh, if you just go to the next screen, yeah. And, uh, and, and limits are important, but they're also a covering of love on the relationship as well. So they actually produce this cover. And in fact, it's all love. The limits are all love as well. Like it, it's all when you think about love and, and how to produce those relationships. Um, and in, in the right proportion, I guess, 80-20. You know, that it should be 80% is, is positive and sowing into relationships. And there needs to be accountability and some limits as well in that process. And the, the sixth one we, we talk about is apology. Now, this isn't our, our marriage stuff. This is just, uh, but it works really well for that apology. We all need to be free to apologize if we've stuffed up, if we've made a mistake, if we've done something wrong. We just need to be really open and free to, to apologize in those circumstances because apology provides a sense of vulnerability. It helps open the door towards resolving conflict. Whether you've done it wrong or not doesn't matter. Apologize anyway. Start the communication, the resolving of conflict. It's not about me being right and her being wrong or her being right and me being wrong. No. The apology is to start the communication 
I'm sorry if I reacted the wrong way when you said that. I, I, it just caught me off guard. And, and can we talk about that now? Let's talk about it well and, and not you know, in a conflicted sort of way. Um, it's a good opportunity to let off steam, I guess, to let off the pressure of the situation. As young couples, we, when we had conflict, we'd both camp on each side of the bed and I, I'd lay on my shoulder this way and Robin would lie on her shoulder that way and there'd be about two metres between us, you know, and, uh, and you just, I'm not touching her, I'm not going anywhere near her, how dare her talk like that or be, you know, and it's like, no, just apologise and get on with it. You know, I'm sorry. I'm not sure even what I did wrong, but obviously it upset you. Tell me what, what happened. Tell me what this is all about. I mean, and you grow into this. We were 20 years old, remember, and clueless and didn't know God. But God, in his infinite wisdom, gives us in his scripture, in his word. He says, do not, in, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. There you go. See, once you've got God in your life, you know that that's a dumb thing to do. And you hardly sleep anyway. You're laying there thinking, mm -hmm. if you just apologise, sit there and talk about it, then you can just relax. You get much better sleep. I can remember laying there and not going to sleep because I, I wasn't going to roll over because I might touch her if I rolled over. You know, it's just Don't listen to this, young people. Dumb. This is the wrong way to do dumb. it, okay? Yeah. So dumb. There, there's a model yeah. we talk about in our marriage stuff. Um, it's called the three states of mind, and it works really well in every situation. You know, we all want intimacy in our life, Right intimacy with our spouse, with our kids, with friends, like we want that. But very often we have conflict going on. And, and so what our, our job is to work out how to deal with conflict well. We have to be someone who sees conflict as an opportunity, as a positive thing, not as a negative thing. Because if we see it as a negative thing, we just go into withdrawal and we go into our cave and we never deal with the thing. And so we both have to be ready for it. It has to be both when both people are ready to, to deal with that conflict. But conflict is good. And you have to go, if you're in withdrawal at the moment, whether it's physical withdrawal, spiritual withdrawal, emotional withdrawal, uh, there's another type, I don't know. But, but if you're in any of those withdrawal places, you don't want to interact with your partner or with your friend or with your, even with your kids. Even with your kids. Even with your kids. Let that sit for a bit. And we're the, we're the grown-ups, if you're the adult here this morning. And we have to be the one that starts to deal with that conflict. We need to work out a way to get out of withdrawal, work through the conflict, so we get back to intimacy. Whether that's in a marriage, whether that's in a family, whether that's in a friendship. If the friendship is valuable to you, you work through the conflict to get back to intimacy. That's right. And it takes humility. Absolute humility. You've got to swallow your pride and go and go to the other person or go to your child and say, I'm so sorry, will you forgive me? And as a parent, you're actually modelling how God wants you to do relationships. So, you know, they're watching. Children are always watching, okay? Watching what happens. So. Look, we, we were way over time. That's and, all right. But, but can I... Have you got something more? No. Okay. I didn't get my props out, though. I'm a bit oh, sad. Oh, you didn't get props? No. Just be, but I'm going to because we're going to finish up. They were anyway. Oh, no, they weren't. They're well, all right. Well, come on, show us what you got. Really? Let, let me, while she's getting that ready, let me read you this, because this is, this is for parents. This is for parents. I've got a screen for this, too. Stop distracting them, will you? Um, if a child lives with criticism, he learns to condemn. If a child lives with hostility, he learns to fight. If a child lives with fear, he learns to be apprehensive. If a child lives with pity, he learns to feel sorry for himself. If a child lives with jealousy, he learns to feel guilty. 
The child lives with encouragement. He learns to be self-confident. The child lives with tolerance. He learns to be patient. The child lives with praise. He learns to be appreciative. The child lives with acceptance. He learns to love. The child lives with approval. He learns to like himself. The child lives with recognition. He learns to have a goal. The child lives with fairness. He learns what justice is. The child lives with honesty. He learns what truth is. The child lives with sincerity. He learns to have faith in himself and those around him. The child lives with love. He learns that the world is a wonderful place to live in. So good. All I wanted to leave you with, for those of you that are visual learners, you haven't heard a word we've said, but you'll remember the pom-poms. I want you to be your best, your kid's best cheerleader and your spouse's best cheerleader. Okay, don't be the person in the relationship that when your spouse comes to you with the big idea, oh, I dream of doing this, you just go, oh, that's stupid, you're never going to do that. You need to go, yay, you go for it. Shake those pom-poms, encourage them. Because that's what they need. That's what your partners need, don't they? And if you're naked, it wouldn't oh, hurt either. Stop oh. it. Oh. I knew he couldn't resist himself. Stop. So be the, be the, che- be the cheerleader. And he, Greg was about to put these away from yesterday. <laughs> Look out, I've got it. Um, <laughs> No, all these things we've talked to you about, um, if you do a course, whatever you do in life, you're given tools. It's your choice what you do with them. You can get the garden tools. They look amazing. You buy them from Bunnings. Go stick them in the garden shed. They'll stay amazing. But guess what? Your garden's going to be overgrown. So we're giving you some tools for relationships. Don't go put them in the shed. Don't go, oh, yeah, that was a nice message this morning. Get them out. Remember these tools. Okay? <laughs> you get angry like, mm. no, don't use them on oh, your you husband. You won't get naked. No. <laughs> <laughs> don't use them like that. Use them to keep your relationship fresh and whatever. And I think that's probably time to go. <laughs> Sorry about that. I got a little, uh, little bit... Uh, whatever it was at the end. Um, let, let's pray. Let's try and bring some God component back into it, huh? <laughs> Father, we do thank you for relationships. God, we, 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 we just recognize the relationship with you is the most important thing in our life. But God, it's not you first and then everything second, third, fourth, fifth. No, no. It's you in our marriage relationships. It's you in our family. It's you in our friendships, God. We, we pray you are part of every relationship we have on this earth, God. And, uh, and Lord, we pray we can be the good news to people in their lives. You know, we can bring the tools and the, the skills and the, the love and the encouragement, the appreciation, the affection, you know, the, 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 all the things that you will want us to, to relationships, God, to show people a better way in this, you know, pretty mucked up world. And, uh, and so, God, here this morning, I pray... You, you bring to mind that which that each one of us needs for whatever season we're in. And uh, God, we just pray you get honor and glory in every situation, God, in every relationship, in every marriage, in every family. And uh, we love you, Lord. And uh, we give you honor and glory in our lives. We pray that all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, thanks for hanging in there. Um, We're not going to do a song, obviously, but please, 
have some coffee and tea out the back. Have a bit of a chat. Have a chat about any of that stuff we've talked about. Go and grab your kids and, uh, and, and have a great week, hey? Thanks. Thank you.